Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I feel like we should have started this segment with damn Yankees, you gotta have heart. But I forgot, so you'll have to hear me sing it instead. I will not torture you. Dr. Rohan Kara is an MD and an MS at the Yale School of Medicine. And he also has something called an MBBS, a medical degree awarded in several countries outside the United States. He is a cardiologist who uses the study of data and artificial intelligence to figure out what our hearts look like and determine, I guess, with some statistical probability, whether or not we are likely to have a problem. He joins us right now. Hello, Dr. Kara. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. So, Dr. Kara, you are a cardiologist. Do you see patients or are you strictly in the research lab? No, I, I'm a physician scientist, so I spend a part of my time seeing patients in practice and the remaining time doing research. Okay, and so tell me exactly, you know, AI we know can be a, is a dominating force now in understanding our world. Some of it is good, some of it is bad. What is your idea that you're using the artificial learning for to determine what? So the big thing that uh, we've been up against is this uh, force, I would say, as AI, which can be a force of good in healthcare. And what we really wanted to do is figure out if it can use existing sources of data that are more accessible, easily available, to define diseases that typically require advanced testing. So some of the work that we've done off late has focused on structural heart disorders. By that, I mean the heart function is weak or the structure has abnormalities. And typically, you need cardiac imaging, uh, ultrasounds of the heart, MRI of the heart. And those are not things that you can do in a community setting. You can't uh, find people before they are admitted to the hospital with symptoms. So our goal was making the use of existing tools like ECGs, uh, wearable devices like an Apple Watch ECG, and using them to screen people for these structural heart disorders. Let me ask you something. Is an ECG an EKG? Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, the EKG comes from the German uh, word, uh, cardiogram, the K 
is used in that language versus a echocardiogram in our language, which is ECG. So it's exactly the same. Oh, good. Because when I saw ECG, I, I thought I knew what you were talking about, but then I thought, well, no, maybe that's different from an EKG because in my no, world, it was always called an EKG. So, okay, yeah, I'm going to call it EKG because we call it EKGs. So the EKG, so the EKG is unbelievable on the Apple Watch. So my mother, I'm just going to bring it right down to this. My mom has AFib, and mm-hmm. she has had a bunch of procedures, cardio inversions, all kind of things to stop it, stop it, stop it. And she finally had to do an ablation. It was a little bit more long than typical. She was under anesthesia mm-hmm. for four to five hours. But the doctor said she had, he had a lot of work to do to rewire the heart electrically. And so far, poo-poo, it's staying. However, however, what we are finding to be an incredibly useful tool is the iWatch. And we're mm-hmm. always taking her EKGs all the time. So tell me about how the use of our being able to look at our own EKG in an iWatch, what, should, what do we want to know as individuals from this, doctor? That's a great question. I uh, hope your mom's doing uh, well now, and uh, I'm glad that you like, you know, found use of technology and, and have used it effectively in her care. I think the the big aspect that Apple Watch and you know similar again, I have no funding from Apple. Uh, I just want to make sure that's just an example. That's a dominant one, but other companies like Fitbit and Samsung have devices that generate a single lead ECG as well. So what I what why do I use the word single lead ECG? It's that it, it detects electrical activity in one plane. So it's detecting like just one strip of ECG, which is what you will see in an Apple Watch. But an ECG in a, EKG in a clinical setting uh, uh, uses 12 leads. So essentially identifies from multiple angles electrical activity of the heart. Okay. What you can get from, what you can get from a, a wearable device or an Apple Watch ECG uh, is information, as you said, about rhythm problems, which is AFib is one rhythm problem. Conduction problems, which is uh, some beats don't conduct well enough, you know, skip beats and so forth. And I think those things are uh, diagnosable, you know, essentially by an expert reader. And increasingly, there are, you know, AI tools that can parse out ECGs that are done in these devices to give you those clinical diagnoses. So that information is is available. I think ACID is the uh, leading entity that has been uh, FDA approved by the uh, uh, for the Apple Watch, but typically it's not the ECG stuff. It's just wearing the Apple Watch itself. Um, so, I think what I what yeah please go ahead. no what I was going to say what we can do now using some of the technology that we are developing and the tools we're developing is actually in use those ECGs not just for rhythm and conduction disorders that a cardiologist can see or a clinician can see, but actually detect things that humans cannot see using the data that's generated as just electrical activity on the wrist. And so this is my question. We're chatting with uh, Dr. Rohan Kara, 203-333-9422, if you have a question. Are you saying that in order to do this, you need a statistical study of millions of people, that that's what AI is going to tell you, or that the individual knowing what to look for on their own iWatch can then call their doctor and say, I think I need to be going further for a tested for something having to do with the structure of my heart. In other words, where do you go with what your research is? Individual, individual. So we are really actually looking at personalized diagnostic strategies. Again, we're early in this space. We've built like sort of proof of concept uh, technology. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's very, 
it seems to be doing well in different validation strategies, things we've tried out in other settings. But I think before we get to clinical use cases, uh, we'll do a little more work. But eventually, I think to your point, it's not going to be one that's like, it's a, oh, this population does better than the other, or this population requires more testing. It is going to be diagnostic utility for a, a given individual or a given person as they, as they get an ECG on their device or like they get a clinical ECG in a clinical setting, both of them will be tied to that person and not like, you know, part of a population in general. So the predictor, the, the, the different thing here is that with this ECG, EKG chart, this graph, what you're saying is based on your AI research, uh, you know that the information that they're displaying isn't merely what we think it is. It's also telling us yes. something else about the heart. That's a great way to put it. I, I would say that's, that's essentially what we're doing. We're trying to say that when somebody measures the electrical activity of the heart, the, the electrical activity has signatures of what else is wrong with the heart. So you can pick those additional signatures from that information that's gathered from the heart. And then it's a question of telling Apple that if your EKG sees this, then they tell back the user, hey, by the way, you may also have this. Yes, and I think it doesn't even have to be Apple. Apple actually uh, empowers its users to engage with sort of third-party applications of sorts. It mm -hmm. can be a research tool. It can be a clinical tool. So it, Apple doesn't have to come in the mix. It is something that you would want uh, done, essentially. A person would have to want to be part of this sort of like way of diagnosing their conditions. But after that, it's just you, the user, and the device and the technology that goes on it. So let me ask you this. We're chatting with Dr. Kara. So Dr. Kara, I have something called a left bundle branch blockage. Branch block. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it doesn't appear on every EKG, incidentally. Some of them it does. Some of them it doesn't. I don't know why. And since my 20s, yeah. Since I first had my first EKG in my internist's office, he looked up, he said, you have this abnormal EKG, Lisa, but don't worry about it. You're going to live forever. Forget about it. So I forget about it. Um, but is that something that is, you're a cardiologist, is that clinically significant based on AI stuff or am I, can I continue to ignore it? I mean, I think uh, if everything else is okay and uh, things are moving along well in terms of your ability to work out, your ability to do your daily activities, it doesn't restrict you, and there is no structural anomaly tied to it, then that may be an incidental sort of finding. Again, this is not medical advice. I have to preface that but because of, uh, I don't know the entirety of the situation, but uh, just uh, conditions that you have that are that are uh, that can be incidental uh, uh, findings that are different across individuals, and this this may be one of those. And we do have people who have intermittent uh, left bundle branch block, which may suggest like some some uh, slowness of a specific conduction pathway in the heart, but that doesn't necessarily translate into anything major for their life. Again, if it if it reflects if it is persistent or it's associated with symptoms, that then that's a different story. So what is the structural heart, what are you going to, uh, Dr. Rohan, that the human eye cannot see? Because in this article that I read about, 
you said that the structural thing that you think this electricity tells us, that you think the CKG tells us, can be, frankly, very significant for a human yes. heart. Yes. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So what we pick up is, uh, you know, heart function, you know, heart beats every time, you know, every beat, it pushes out the blood it gets. And uh, about half the blood it gets is pushed out every time, with every heartbeat. Some people, the heart function is down. So uh, less than half gets pushed out. And that is a major problem because one, that is treatable. We can actually have very inexpensive therapies for it, medications that, but very uh, light medications that can improve the function. Second, most people actually don't get diagnosed when they don't have symptoms. And they only get diagnosed when it has progressed far enough that the heart function goes down so much that they, they're out of breath, they don't have the ability to do activities, or, or sometimes even, even much worse presentations. We are chatting with Dr. Rowan and Kara, 203-333-9422 at the Yale School of Medicine. Do you take this as somebody who is a scientist and a clinician? Do you now want to take this to the next level and be, you know, yeah. part of some venture capital company and create a biotech thing and then maybe have that be the app that we then sign on to to both give you data and extract data? Uh, again, as a scientist, I think I am focusing on the scientific development, but as an institution, Yale is uh, is often a leader in innovation across different spectra, and including, uh, you know, including uh, you know companies that can actually take it to the next level. So definitely, we are we're trying to use the entirety of the resources to at Yale to push it to the next level, so that this is something you can access. Uh, our goal is not to just, you know, publish papers and just do the science and, like, let it be in journal articles. So, yes, I, uh, to answer your question specifically, while I'm not a businessman myself, I'm a scientist, I, I, but I am engaging with folks who can push this forward. Dr. Kara, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in India. I grew up in the north part of the country uh, where I went to medical school as well. And what, what age did you come here? Uh, I was 22, I believe. 22, 22. yes. 24, and did, you, did, yeah. you, did you always want to immigrate to America? Uh, honestly, no. I didn't know. Because my, my dad's a doctor. I engaged, when I was in medical school, I was part of these uh, large scholarship programs that actually uh, did a lot of exchange with the U.S. universities. My school is uh, one of the most prominent schools in the country called the All Indian Institute of Medical Sciences. 
And so I got an uh, opportunity to like be at Hopkins at UCLA. I spent a lot of time at, at Penn. So I spent time in institutions that were research capitals of the world, if not just the U.S. Uh, and I, I enjoyed that academic aspect of U.S. healthcare. And that, over the years, drew me to sort of pursue the next phase of my career here, which I've loved. And, and are you living in the New Haven area now? Yeah, I live in Fairfield uh, with my family. Do you like it? Do you like living here in Connecticut? Connecticut is beautiful. I mean, it's been wonderful. People here are, like, amazing. And then, again, uh, this has been, uh, you know, again, I've lived in Dallas before this and in the Midwest before that. And this has certainly been one of the best places I've been in. It really is a beautiful state, isn't it, Dr. Kara? It's a beautiful yes, place. Yes, I agree. It's very special. It's very special. Well, well, we're very happy that you decided to move here and, and you know, devote your talent and your enthusiasm for healthcare. Do you, as somebody who is straddling the scientific world and the clinical world, do you have a specific suggestion or an opinion about how we could improve the delivery of healthcare? Yeah, I think I think uh, as a scientist that like works in the technology space, I am seeing more and more how you know uh, individuals, I mean, people in the society have access to. Uh, their own technology. I think the big push is for us to use our means more effectively. Uh, I think we have we have sort of lagged behind, given our traditional model of, you know, go to the clinic, get care. We've lagged behind, you know, delivering more community-centered care. I feel that's where the next step is. And then the resources are always a challenge in these situations. So we we just have to ensure that uh, our uh, our incentives, as uh, as we evolve our health policies and our strategies are aligned with delivering preventive care. So I think that's what I'm most committed to, is improving the health of communities and societies and, and not merely focusing on what we do in the hospital for people. Um, and I think, I think a big part of all of this is ensuring that we build in this component because one of the challenges that I have sort of grappled with is when you do technology, you don't want to exacerbate the, the major societal socioeconomic barriers that exist for our the less, more vulnerable populations. So building in strategies where if we have a technology-based solution, we can offer it, it to those also who don't have access to the same means as the rest of us. Okay, we're going to go. Do you mind taking a call? We've got Ralph who has been holding. Ralph, you're on the air with Dr. Rohan Kara from Yale. Yes, Dr. Kara, I want to welcome you to Connecticut, and I really appreciate what your goal is to help others, especially who don't have access. But I just want to bring up something, uh, and then you can elaborate on it. I'll hang up. I have a very dear friend that's a nurse, and I asked somebody who's from India in my optometrist's office that what sets the Indian doctors apart is, unlike America, where you go four years medical school, you go six years in India, and you have only one chance to pass the exam to be a certified doctor. Uh, that's that's uh, I mean, thanks for thanks for uh, calling in. I, I can elaborate. I think personally, the the training in top schools across the world is, has been standardized quite a bit to a certain extent. Uh, so I, I've I've actually felt that clinicians have come across in the United States are you know very smart, very well trained. And uh, there are, of course, like uh, always pros and cons of different training strategies. You know, in India, people go right after high school into medical school, and then that represents the entirety of their college plus medical school experience. Uh, 
Uh, there are actually schools in the U.S. that offer that kind of track too, like six years of combined college plus uh, plus training in medical school. I have felt that I think there is a level of maturity that comes with starting school later in their uh, in lives, which sometimes will help uh, folks who train in a in a four plus four pathway, which is what you kind of describe as a traditional one in the U.S. But I have never felt that that is uh, in any way uh, restrictive to the capacity and capabilities of physicians and. You will often see, I mean, I, again, every there are a lot of people I agree who have trained overseas, and uh, India represents a, a big a chunk of clinicians who come to the U.S., but I've never felt that that's uh, in any way different from folks who have trained here in any way. Okay, that's good to know. Thank you, Dr. Kara. Ralph, thank you so much for the sure. call. We really appreciate it. I think to some extent... Uh, Indian people have an edge in coming here only because English is, you know, their languages they grow up. Yes. Whereas in a lot I, of other cultures, I, they, they have to struggle and learn English too, right? Yeah, I, I think the, this d- does help uh, a lot that our entirety of our medical and other curriculum is based on English. Mm-hmm. So it does, and again, that does help ensure that there is, no, there is no extra step involved in going from your training to a care practice in the U.S. Thank you, Ralph. I have one more question, Dr. Rohan Kara, and I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning from Yale. Since you spoke about community-based health care and prevention, if you could give us one suggestion of a supplement, if any, that you think that we should be taking for heart health. We all know we should be having better diets and exercise. Believe me, we know that. But I'm wondering for you as a cardiologist, is there some kind of a is there some kind of a supplement, some kind of a pill that you think, or a vitamin, you know, something that you believe really contributes to heart health that is worth taking? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll ask and answer this with a little tongue-in-cheek, just because I think we've done so much research on supplements, and uh, and we've actually not come across something that's, that's a good fix. Yeah, okay. fish oil supplements have come out to be successful. People have taken fish oil supplements to prevent atherosclerotic disease. But I think nothing's actually beyond uh, the lifestyle things that you sort of alluded to before. Uh, and, and again, there is, there is something that I, I think I have to point out as a general thing. Supplements, because they're not regulated, can actually, uh, they're not regulated by the FDA. They can actually claim a lot of things that they don't have to prove. And I almost always warn when I'm in any public forum that I, I highlight that fact that when you get a medication or a treatment, that's gone through the, the rigor. And sometimes supplements have just strong effects that just haven't been like tested at all. So, and when we've tested vitamin D, vitamin A, none of them actually panned out in a way that we want for our patients to like. We recommend it. Yeah, if you have a vitamin E deficiency, you should take it. Vitamin A deficiency, take it. Those supplements probably help like maintain, but definitely do not specifically add anything to your heart health. So basically, we have to watch our calories and do some exercises every day. That's what we have to do. Yes, and then and then cut down the red meat as possible. If use if possible, use more white meat, uh, and then more uh, and incorporate more plant based uh, ingredients in the diet. That's always helpful. Thank you so much, Dr. Rohan Kara. What a pleasure to get to know you. Thank you for your research. We'll be keeping on top of it, uh, and we we really appreciate you coming on the show today. Well, thanks, Lisa, for having me. I appreciate pleasure. it. Pleasure. Really a pleasure. Thanks for making Take Connecticut care. your home. We're going to be right back. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 